journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Well, if you were listening close, we just finished up uh, the song Ben Bagbag Omer. Ben Bagbag was a very interesting character. Uh, he was a character from the Mishnah, and he said, you should turn the Torah over and over again because everything is in it. And that's what we do on High FM and on my show particularly. We look into the text of the Torah, um, of the five books of Moses, and we look for life lessons because if we do believe, and we do believe, that God created the world and he used the Torah as the blueprint. This is God's word, not man's word, but God's word. Then everything that we need to know about life and the life lessons that we need to learn are certainly all in there. I'm Edel Kozilski and this is Chai FM. And I'm super excited to spend the next 45 minutes with you. And today we are going to be finishing yet another Pasha of the Torah. We've actually been going at it for a very, very long time. And um, we're coming close to actually finishing up the book of Genesis. Today, we, please God, are going to land up finishing the Pasha of Vayigash. Please join the conversation, ask questions, pass comments. I'm happy um, to hear that you're, you're listening out there. And uh, I'm always happy to engage with you. 34519 is our SMS line. 061-895-1019 is our telegram number. We're going to be um, carrying on from our journey last week. We're in chapter 46 of Genesis. We're going to start on verse 28, where we finished off last week, is that we were counting the amount of people that came down to Egypt, and they were, in fact, 70 souls. 70. And uh, we see that 210 years later, we leave three million men strong. And there's probably about six and a half million people that left Egypt. So if you ever, ever deny yourself um, that they are like, what can I do if, you know, I, I can't do too much. You just need to have a family if you can, and God has blessed you so, and let them have a family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you can see how exponential things can grow. Right, verse 28. To kind of like give like an advance that, hey, everybody's coming. He sent him to Goshen. And then, only then, did they come to the land of Goshen. So why send, like, advanced God? You know, when we go to Machane, we've got the A God, advanced God. So Yaakov sent Yehuda to Goshen because he wanted to secure a place for them to camp and to obviously arrange all that they needed. And he wanted to ensure that there were houses for everybody to live in. Seventy is still quite a big party of people to come. But more importantly, and here is a life lesson, um, another task that was given to Yehuda was to set up a yeshiva academy, a place of learning. Because why? Yaakov constantly studied the Torah, and he wanted a place prepared, uh, prepared for him for this purpose. Now, here you can see how important it is that to start off a community, you have to play, have a place of learning. And it makes a lot of sense because 
if you have a community um, that doesn't learn, that doesn't um, delve into Torah, and that there is a constant striving to understand more and learn more, in life either you go up or you go down, but you don't remain the same. And so it was of vital importance to Yaakov that he was transporting his family now to a strange place, but he should have the educational facilities to ensure that everybody is able to learn Torah. Now, why did he send Yehuda? Okay, Jacob sent Yehuda because he knew that Yosef was very, very fond of Yehuda, of Judah. Why? Because Yehuda had shown that he was prepared to risk his life for Benjamin. Okay, he was even ready, Yehuda was ready to about to kill Yosef, if you recall, in order to secure Benjamin's freedom, and that pleased Yosef very much, because what did he see now? He saw that he had a brother that was very considerate, a man who was, you know, the, who walked the talk, whatever he said, he meant. Um, and so he decided, well, since that is working so well, let us send Yehuda. Yosef harnessed his chariot, and he went to greet his father um, Israel in the land of Goshen, and he saw him, and he, he, he fell upon his neck, and they cried even more on each other's neck. So what we see over here, number one, is the importance of kibud av, okay, of, of honoring your father. He went up to visit his father. He personally harnessed his chariot because he wanted to show, out of respect for his father, um, that, that, that he would do things himself. And the Midrash goes and tells us that when Joseph went out, to greet their father or his father, all the high officials of Egypt accompanied him. There was an announcement that went out throughout the capital of Egypt that everyone should prepare to greet Yaakov. Paroi gave Yosef his own crown to wear so that he could be dressed regally to greet his father. And it says that when Yosef met up with Yaakov, he was accompanied by the entire Egyptian aristocracy along with bands playing happy music. And we are told that when um, when uh, Yosef arrived, what happened? Yaakov sees this whole entourage coming. He prostrates himself before Yosef. Because when, when you see such a regally dressed man approaching a company with such a huge retinue, uh, he thought that maybe Parham was coming, that there was a king, and he had to like oblige himself. Um, later on, Yosef was punished and years were taken away from his, 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 his life because he should never have caused his father to bow down to him. Nevertheless, having said that, remember that there was the dream of Yosef, the second dream where he said, the sun, the moon and the stars will bow down before me. This is in fulfillment of that prophecy. Now, Yaakov, there's no mention here in this verse of Yaakov kissing Yosef. Okay, you can see though that 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 Yosef fell on 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 Yaakov's neck and cried on Yaakov's neck for a long time. What was going on? 
Well, the one thing that the rabbis say is that he was bowing down and he was in the middle of saying the Shema. The Shema is a central prayer in Jewish life and you're supposed to concentrate a lot on it. And when a person is reciting the Shema, it is forbidden for him to gesture either either with his lips or or his fingers or any other way. Um, And so Yaakov was busy reciting the Shema when Yosef came and um, came and bowed down to him. So what happened was is that Yosef saw his father and he cried on his shoulders. But afterwards you see the verse saying, and then they cried again on each other's necks, which meant that now Yaakov was also weeping because he had more, more than he had wept for the last 22 years. It was an incredibly, incredibly emotional reunion. You can just imagine how that went down. By Yomi Yisrael Yosef, Jacob says to Yosef, I now can die, for I have now seen your face, that you are still alive. Okay, what, when we've said this before, that Yosef, Yaakov was scared that if one of his sons had died, that he ineffectually had died in this world and he would die in the world to come from the pain of, of, of burying his child. But now that he could see Yaakov alive with his own eyes, he was, uh, he was assured that now he can, he can relax and he, so to speak, can die in peace. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So Yosef is now sitting in front of Yaakov and Yaakov is looking upon his face and the rabbis go and tell us another thing that Yaakov was steeped in a a study in the mystical arts of physiognomy, which mean, in Hebrew it's called Chochmat HaParzuf, that great rabbis that are steeped in Kabbalah can look upon your face and they can understand everything. And what what uh, uh, Yaakov was really saying to Yosef is, I've studied your face, I see you are truly alive in the highest sense of the world, world that you are in fact a saint, and now I'm ready to die. I'm not afraid of death. People who have wicked children, they suffer in the next world. And I was afraid to die because I thought maybe you had come into Egypt and Egypt had had an effect on you. But now that I see you and I see your face and I see your tzitkas, I see your, your, your spirituality, I see your righteousness, I, 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 I am willing to, to die. By Yomi Yosef El Echav El Beit Aviv. Now Yosef um, speaks to his brothers and to the whole house of his father, and he says, um, I am going to go up and tell Paroi, for Omra I love, and I'm going to say to him, that my, my brothers and the household of my father has come up from Eretz Canaan into the land of Goshen. But Anashim son. And the, the people that have come, come, come down to, who they've come to us, they are shepherds. Then, and they are men of the flock, and they have many sheep and many cattle, and they brought all that with them. And if Paro calls you, 
Amar, and, and he asked you, what do you do? You need to reply to him that we are men of the flock, we are shepherds, us, your servants, and all our children, all the way, like going back in history, all the way until now, us and our forefathers, Goshen, and then he, you will be able to settle in the land of Goshen, Why? Because shepherds were abhorrent to Egypt. Now, Yosef is preparing them because they are going to come now in front of Paroi. What was he saying? He's saying, first of all, Goshen is a very good place to pasture flocks. We know that it, it was one of the most fertile places um, in Egypt. But more than that, Yosef knew that the psyche of the Egyptians were that they were very prejudiced against shepherds. Why were they prejudiced against shepherds? Because the Egyptians considered sheep as an Egyptian god. Okay? Um, if they did raise sheep, the Egyptians, they would pasture them only in, in pure consecrated fields. They wouldn't strike them, but they were, they, they, they were holy and you couldn't do too much to them. And what Yosef didn't want was for them to be, um, taunted. And, and degrade the Egyptians because they saw that they, that they were shepherds. All right. Um, and so he's preparing them now and saying to them, this is what you've got to tell Paroi so that you can just stay far out of everybody's like eyesight in the land of Goshen, which was in the northern part of Egypt, far away from, from, from the, 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 the metropolitan, the metropolis of the, of the capital, which I think was called Memphis. At one point in time, I stand to be corrected, but just you've got to stay away from it. Now, just as a sideline, very interestingly, we can see that many of our great tzaddikim, our great saints, our great prophets, all of them were shepherds. If we go back in time all the way to the beginning of Genesis, we see that Abe, Ab, Abel, Ab, um, Cain ve Hevel, Hevel was a shepherd. He was the one whose uh, sacrifice was accepted. We see Moshe. Shaul, David, all of them were shepherds. Why? It's not that it was because they were poor, but rather that they wanted um, to seclude themselves from people. We know that when we're in the company with pe of people, we can end up doing a whole lot of wrong things just because there's peer pressure. We can speak Losh and Horror, um, we can talk Rechilis, we can take false oaths, um, we can indulge in flattery. God forbid we can indulge in sexual misdeeds. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. For holy people like Moses and David and Hevel, etc., um, they preferred to move away um, because the fewer people that were around, the less the, the, the indulgence um, in sin. Now, one of the things we also must know that the Egyptians were strict vegetarians. They did not permit the slaughter of, in, uh, of animals. Okay, They didn't eat meat and fowl and fish and eggs and dairy products. Um, and they they really, really, really tried to stay away from all of that. So Yosef understood all the sensitivity, understood that the Jewish people needed to be um, somewhat uh, sheltered, number one, from the prejud prejudices 
of the Egyptians and also a, a more um, a clean place or clear place where they can sit and study Torah and do and concentrate on what they have to do. So the Yavo Yosef, we're now on chapter 47, verse 1. Yosef comes by Yaged la Paroi and he says to Paroi, Avi ve Achai ve Tsonam u Bekaram ve Cholashem Achem Bau me Eretz Canaan ve Hinachem be Eretz Goshen. My father and my brothers have come to the land of Canaan along with their sheep and their cattle and all their possessions. U Mikte Echav Lakav Chamisha Anashim ve Yatigen Livne Paroi. And then he says, from amongst my brothers, I have brought five people to present to Paroi. Who did Yosef bring? The rabbis tell us that he actually brought five of his weakest brothers, Gad, Naftali, Dan, Asher, and Zvulun. They were the milder, milder brothers, the meeker brothers. It wasn't that they were, they were doormats. But they certainly didn't have the temper and the strength of the other brothers. Remember the other brothers, Reuben, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, they were unbelievably strong. They were unbelievably powerful. Um, we know that Shimon and Levi destroyed the whole of Shem. Remember when Dina got raped? Um, you know that Yehuda stood now before before uh, Yosef and he was ready to destroy the whole of Egypt. Those guys were like bombers, like to stay away from them. So he brought his meeker, more milder brothers, um, and he presented them to, 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 to Paroi. What does Paroi do? Let's look in verse 3 of 47. By Yome Paroi al Echa, Paroi says to the brothers, Mama Sechem, exactly as Yosef had predicted. He says, So guys, what do you do? And so they replied to Paro exactly what Yosef told them to say. Your servants are shepherds, we and our fathers. We have come to live in your land temporarily since there is no grazing even for your, for us, for, for our, our flocks. So severe is the famine in the land of Canaan. Now, if you please, your servants, let them settle in the land of Goshen. So they gave the exact story that Joseph told them to say that, 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 you know, their occupation and the occupation of their ancestors has always been, um, to shepherd. By Yomir Paro el Yosef, so Paro says to Yosef, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your brothers and your father in the best of the land. Um, let them settle in the Goshen region. And if you know of any capable men amongst them, appoint them as livestock um, officers over my herds as well. One of the things that Yosef was really, really, really worried about was that if he also presented his very strong brothers, um, they wouldn't have landed up being shepherds but rather um, Paro would have brought them into the Egyptian army because what an asset that would have been. So they really just played on the, on, on the more pathetic side. 
saying we're just simply uh, shepherds and we can, you know, and, 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 and Paroy agrees. He says, take, take them to Goshen and let them stay there, etc. Then comes a very important part. The Yahweh Yosef et Yaakov Aviv. Yaakov then now presents his father Yaakov. Yosef now presents his father Yaakov to Paroy. He stands before Paro. Yaakov blesses Paro. We don't know what that blessing is, but I'm going to explain it soon. Paro says to Yaakov, How many years have you lived? Yaakov says to Paro, he complains. He says, the days of my wanderings have been 130 years, and few and difficulty, difficult have been the days of my life. And not only that, and I have not attained the years of my father's lives in the days of their wanderings. Then it ends off by Yivarech Yaakov et Paro, by Yetzim Paro. Again, Yaakov blesses Paro and he leaves Paro's presence. Let's dissect this. He blesses Paro. Paro says, how old are you? Yaakov complains that he's 130 years and these years have been basically a living hell. They've been few and very difficult and that he didn't attain the, the, the years of his father and grandfather. And then Yaakov blesses Paro and Paro says goodbye. Right, the rabbis and God get very, very upset with with Yaakov, okay? Um, and we are told that he was supposed to live 180 years, but if you go count up all the words of, the, of, of his difficulties, he dies at 147. For every every word that he complained about his life, a year was knocked off. Why? Because, yes, we do acquiesce and we do understand that Yaakov lived a very difficult life. We've spoken about it many, many times before. From the time he was uh, in vitro, his, his brother Esav was trying to kill him. Then, you know, the, he made his life a misery, Esav. Then he stole the blessings. Then he had to run away because Esav wanted to kill him. Then he landed up with Laban who wanted to shnai him in business. And then he cheated him and gave him the wrong wife. And then he had to work more for his other wives. And when eventually he decides that's it, he needs to take up a clean break. On the way back, he has to meet Asaph again. He gets all nervous, but eventually he manages to get through all of that. And he lands up in the land of Canaan and he wants to settle down. And then what happens? Yosef disappears. A hard life. So any of you out there who think that you're having a hard life, hey, listen out there. Yaakov, our forefather, also had a hard life. What was God slamming about? Because God was angry that Yosef did not appreciate or did not verbally appreciate all the kindness that, 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 that was brought upon him. Meaning, there were so many good things. Hey, that you came out of Laban unscathed. Hey, that you came out with riches. Hey, that you came out with a, a family with 12 children. And it wasn't, it was more than 12 children because we know daughters were born. Hey, all of these things that you come back to the land of Israel and with, where's the thank you for that? There wasn't. There was a complaint. And so God cut some of his years off. Lesson, life lesson. Here is another one. Stop complaining. 
we happen to be people who are wired up to always look at our glass half empty. Why don't you look at your glass half full? I'm sure it's at least half full. I would dare to say that our glasses are very, very full. There are so many things that we can be grateful for on a daily basis. The fact that we've woken up today, Baruch Hashem. The sun is shining, Baruch Hashem. Spring is in the air, Baruch Hashem. I have a roof over my head. I have food to eat. I have, he- I have health. I have a job to go to. There's a lot of things that we can say Baruch Hashem for. I am married. I'm not married. I'm single. I've got a kid. I haven't got a kid. Whatever it is, everybody has got things to be grateful for. Learn to be grateful. Don't sit there and complain about what you haven't got. Yaakov was punished because of that. Learn that lesson. Practice gratitude, as they say. Now, why, out of all questions of Paroi, did he ask, how old are you? And the reason is, is that Paroi really went and said, in all my kingdom, I have not seen such an old man. Okay? Um, he was really, really old. People hadn't lived to 130 in, uh, what's her name? In Egypt. So he was quite the, the enigma. And that's why this is the question that Paro asked, because he had never seen anybody. So he was pretty intrigued. Like, gosh, how old are you? You know, I guess if a 130 year old person walked into our space, into our shul or into wherever we are, we also would go, sorry? Like, who are you? Hello? How can I, how, how can, how, how can I help you? Right. Well, how old are you? Um, so that was why Paro asked that. Now I told you, listen to the verses and we're looking at verses seven to 10 of chapter 47. It says that Yaakov blessed, blessed, um, Paroi before they started speaking. And after the discussion, he blessed them again. Why was he blessing him? Well, he was blessing him because that's what one does when one sees a person of high stature. In fact, today even, we have the, the, the mitzvah of if we see a world leader that we actually make a bracha on him. But there's something much deeper here that the Midrash comes to teach us, and that is that he blessed Paroi that the famine should end. And lo and behold, ladies and gentlemen, when Paroi, when, uh, sorry, not when Paroi, when Yaakov walked out from Paroi, the Nile rose, covered all the fields, right? Because we know that Egypt doesn't get irrigated by rain, but by, by the Nile. And what happened was that he broke the famine. They were in year two of the famine. If you recall last week, they were running out of resources. They were prepared to sell themselves as slaves. They were prepared to, what's the name? They were prepared to give everything, and they did, to Paroi, to the Egyptian government. He broke the famine. And there was no famine for the next five years because Yaakov, the tzaddik, the saint, had arrived in Goshen. Just as a caveat, the famine continued in the rest of the world, in Canaan and everywhere else. It went on for the next five years. But Yaakov, by blessing Paroi, he, 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 he obliterated five years of the famine. And so, um, Yaakov became a, a big hero. He became a person of stature in the land 
of Egypt. If you have any questions or comments on what we are learning, 34519 is our SMS line, 061-895-1019 is our telegram number. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Right, we're going to kind of press on the petrol and see what is happening. I do want to get to the end of the chapter by Yosef, Yosef, es Aviv, es Aet, Echav. So Joseph settled his fathers and his brothers. By Yiten Lachem, Achuza, Be'eretz, Mitzrayim. He gave them property in the land of Egypt. Be'eretz, Ramses, Ashet, Sibat, Paro. In the Ramesses region, as Paro has ordered. And if you recall, later on, we do learn the, the, the verses that the Jews built the pyramids of Pitom and Ramses. So why did they build Pitom and Ramses? Because, hey, they've been living in there now for the last 210 years. By Yichalkel, Yosef et Aviv, Yosef provided all the needs of his father, Bet Echav, and of his brothers, Bet Kol Bet Aviv, Lahem, Lefi Hataf, even all the way he gave bread into the children's mouths. So that is um, now the gift of the fact that Joseph says, God sent me before you because I am now able to, to, uh, to do, to, to, to assist you and look after you. But the bread, there wasn't bread in all over the land and, uh, the, the famine was very, very heavy. The Eretz Canaan, Mipne Harav, they became faint with hunger by Yilaket Yosef et Akesev, and Nitsa Be Eretz Mitzrayim. Yosef gathered all the money that was in Mitzrayim, Be Eretz Canaan, and the land of Canaan, Beshever Ashehem Shoevrim, in payment for the provisions that he was giving the people. By Yahweh Yosef et Akesev, Beis Aparoi, he brought all this money to Pharaoh's treasury. You know, people become exhausted when there is severe famine. And it, it says that what he did, and listen up to this unbelievably, that he, there was so much money flowing into Egypt while Yosef was, was exchanging food for money that he had to build four treasuries. One was hidden, um, in the desert near the Red Sea. The second was near the Euphrates. The third was in the Persian desert. And the fourth was in the Median Desert. And they were storehouses of oodles and doodles and doodles of precious metal, of gold <clears throat> and other precious metal, which he had now gathered because people were coming and paying for it. Um, he also gave Paro himself a whole bunch of money. Now, here's the interesting thing. Later on, much later on in the Bible, we read about an uprising in the desert of a man called Korach. Korach was a first cousin to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he led a rebellion in the desert against Moshe and his brother, and he said, who do you think you are that you should be the leaders? We all come from the same tribe, and surely, you know, there should be a rotating government. And there was a whole, how do you do in the desert? The long and the short of it, if anybody knows that biblical story, Korach, um, uh, is t- uh, God, God, God proves that Moshe is, was chosen by God, by nobody else, and Korah gets swallowed up, him and all his 250 followers. But one of the reasons why Korah had clout was because he was fabulously rich. 
Why was he fabulously rich? We are told over here that he actually found one of these treasuries, and that's how he became very wealthy. And he thought, you know, with this money, he can buy into the government, in, in, in you know, can, can become the president. Um, and that just shows you how much money can corrupt. And do we not only see this um, in, in the Bible, we see it today. Number one, that the government takes all sorts of uh, money from us. And secondly, that, you know, money talks. The second treasury, interestingly, was found by a, a and then he said Russian, not Russian, Roman, Emperor Antoninus. He was famed for his wealth. And why was he unbelievably wealthy? That was because he found one of the treasuries. So two of the four treasuries were found, one by Korach, one by Antoninus. The rest, we are told, there are two more treasuries that are put aside for the righteous, for the Messianic age, for the for the time when Mashiach comes. So we're still to see that. And, you know, um, also all the, 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 the um, items of the first temple are also hidden in um, caverns, somewhere where nobody knows. We know that uh, today they made this uh, famous movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> of them going to go and look for all of these things. They are hidden in, in the region. Um, they haven't been found, and hopefully they will be revealed with the arrival of of of, of Bashir. Vayito makesa meret mitzrayim umeeretz kanan v'yavor mitzrayim al Yosef lemor hava lanu lechem v'lamot namot nedecha ki afes kasev. The money in Egypt in Canaan, though in the first year, was all used up, and all of Egypt came to Yosef saying, "Give us bread." Are you now not going to allow, are you going to allow us to, to die now that we have no money? By Yomi Yosef, Yosef replied to them, Havu miknechem lachem bemiknechem im afes kasef. So Yosef gave an alternative. He said, well, if you've got no more money, bring me your livestock. Um, and I will give you grain in exchange for your livestock. We have it, Bignechem, and Yosef. So they brought all their livestock to Yosef. Vayitanahem Yosef, Lechem, Besusim, Ubemikne, Hatson, Ubemikne, Habakar, Bachamorim. And Yosef landed up giving them bread, and for what? In exchange for horses, and stocks of sheep, and stocks of cattle, and donkeys. Vayilanahem, Balechem, Bechom, Miknechem, Bashanahahi. And he helped them through the the, that year with bread in exchange for their livestock. That year came to an end. They came to the second year. They said to him, to Yosef, We have nothing to hold back from our master. We've already given all the money and all the animal stocks that's all been used up. There's nothing left. All that is left now is our bodies, who we are, and our land. Are you going to allow us to die before you? Buy us and buy our land. Buy it from us. And we will swap land for food. And so our land will be of servitude to, to Paro. We will be of servitude to Paro. Um, and um, let us become 
slaves to Paro along with our land. But they say something more interesting at the end. They say, um, give us, give, give us seeds so that we, that, that, that we will live. And the question is, here we're sitting at the end of the second year. The famine was so bad that all the money was spent. All the livestock was used in exchange for bread. Now they're exchanging the land and themselves. They're subserv- uh, becoming subservient to Paroi. Why are they saying, give us seed? Okay? Because why? Jacob had just arrived in, in, in Egypt, and he had blessed Egypt, and the land had started irrigating. So they said, you know what? We're going to land up having to pay you forever and ever, but give us seed, because if you give us seed, we will be able to sprout food. We will be, we'll be able to plant, and for that we need seed grain. But Yiken Yosef had called out Mitzrayim Paroi, and what really happened at the end is that Yosef also purchased all his farmland in Egypt for Paroi, ki machru Mitzrayim ish sadehu ki chazak because every man had sold his field now. Because the famine was so difficult. But here are the Paroi. So Paroi now owned the entire Egypt. And Yosef transferred the people to his cities, um, from one end of Egypt's border to the other. We've got a couple more verses to go, but we're going to go for a break. 101.9. Chai FM. Hi FM. 101.9 megahertz of life. Because we are running out of time, I'm going to quickly read verses 20 to 27 just in English. It says, Yosef purchased all the farmland in Egypt for Paroi. Every man in his field sold his fields for the famine was severe. He transferred everybody into cities and only the priest's land. He did not take over because the priest had an allotment from Paroi. And they ate their allotment from that Paro gave them, and therefore they didn't sell their lands. By the way, that was because the priests took uh, Yosef's side when they, he was um, charged with with a seeming misdemeanor with Potiphar's wife, and so he returned the favor because of the good that they did to him. So he never took the priest's land. Yosef says to the people, "See, today I have purchased you and your lands for Paro. Here is seed grain for you. Go plant it in the soil. When it produces grain." You must give a fifth to Paroi. Four parts will be yours for seed grain, for your feed, for your fields, as well as food for you and your household and for food for your children. And they said to Yosef, you have saved our lives. May we find favor in our Lord's eyes and we will be Paroi's servants. And Yosef made a decree over the farmland of Egypt until this day that one fifth belonged to Paroi. Only the priest's land did not belong to Paroi and Israel Yaakov lived in the land of Egypt, in the land of, in the Goshen district, and they acquired property there. They were fruitful, and the most important, the Yifru, the Yerbu Ma'od, the population acquired, um, increased very, very much. Chazak, chazak, v'nit chazak. Let us be strengthened. We have just finished the Pasha of Vayigash, and I just quickly want to answer a listener. Uh, Joseph, thank you for your feedback. Glad you're enjoying it. You asked about the seven Noahide laws. There are seven laws that Gentiles um, need to keep. There are the following. The first thing is not to profane God's oneness in any way. You're only to believe in God and not to anything else outside of that. No idols, 
no, no signs, no anything. You're not allowed to curse your creator. That's number two. No matter how angry you may be, you cannot verbally um, abuse our creator. Do not murder. And murder is, you know, as a very big thing. It's not only going out and killing. It's also to do with abortion. Um, and that, that, that is a contentious issue today. Do not eat the limb of a still living animal. We have to respect all of life of God's creatures. Do not steal, meaning anything that benefits, any benefits you receive in this world, make sure none of them have come from unfair expense. Um, and you are not allowed to, um, uh, um, get involved in sexual aberrations, incest, adultery, uh, adultery, rape, and homosexuality. And the seventh one is to establish courts of law and ensure justice in the world. Those are the seven Noahide laws and the laws that the Gentiles are to keep. And uh, for Jewish people, we have 613, which include these seven, but many, many more. Thank you for being with me today. And uh, please, God, next week we'll be starting a new Pasha, the Pasha of Vayechi, which is the last uh, Pasha of the book of Genesis. Until then, have a wonderful Shavuot, a beautiful week ahead, and um, I'll speak to you next week. Ciao for now.